This is the Storm Report. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Storm Report podcast in affiliation with the Storm Report Radio Network, providing weather coverage for radio stations from coast to coast. I'm your host, Tommy Castro. The date is Monday, June 8th, 2020. Now, on the Storm Report podcast, typically we talk about severe weather situations in the present and what we're looking forward to as the days go on and different severe weather threats and situations uh, that are imminent. That being said, today is a different episode. It's a retrospective that we've done a couple of different times on the Storm Report podcast where we looked back on notable severe weather events. We've looked at significant severe weather events such as the Joplin, Missouri tornado in 2011, the Gerald, Texas tornado in 1997, and the Lawrence, Kansas City tornado of 2019. However, on this episode of the Storm Report podcast, we'll be taking a look at the June 8th, 1966 Topeka tornado. Today is the 54th anniversary of that tornado event. We'll hear from residents who were there and remember the tornado 54 years ago today. And also some broadcasters, including legendary Bill Curtis, about what he remembers being on the air that day in Topeka. Before we dive right in, though, I want to remind you to hit subscribe. That way you're notified anytime we have a brand new episode of the Storm Report podcast. You can listen anywhere you listen to your favorite podcasts. We're on platforms like iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, TuneIn Radio, Stitcher, Pocket Cast, and many others as well. And don't forget to also go to our website, thestormreport.com, where you can get interactive radar, a custom forecast, and listen to the Storm Report podcast. Again, that's www.thestormreport.com. You can also follow us on Facebook at the Storm Report Radio Network and follow us on Twitter at the Storm Report. A special thank you to president and meteorologist from the Storm Report Radio Network, Dan Holliday, also meteorologist Jennifer Naramore from Tornado Talk, who conducted these interviews and is allowing us to use this audio on the Storm Report podcast. So without further ado, a look back on the 54th anniversary of the June 8th, 1966 Topeka tornado. First off, a little background on the June 8, 1966 Topeka tornado. The tornado began developing at 6.55 p.m. Central Time on June 8th, touching down 8 miles west of the city. Around 7.30 p.m., a quarter to half mile wide tornado tracked into the southwest side of town, moving northeast and passed over Burnett's Mound. Now, according to a local Native American legend, Burnett's Mound was thought to protect the city from tornadoes, suggesting that the 250 feet hill would cause a tornado that was approaching Topeka to disintegrate. The tornado first struck residential areas, cleanly sweeping away entire rows of homes and hurling vehicles hundreds of yards through the air. Washburn University also took a direct hit from the tornado, and many of the large stone buildings on campus were badly damaged or destroyed. So what caused this devastating tornado to rip right through the heart of the capital of the state of Kansas? Warning coordination meteorologist Chad Omet from the National Weather Service explains. Well, we were in an active pattern, which is not uncommon for uh, for parts of, of late May and the early June across the central plains. We actually were, were seeing uh, a couple of days worth of, of severe storms across the central plains. And, and the day before, which would have been June Seventh, uh, um, 1966. They had uh, an active weather day with severe storms across parts of central Kansas and a lot of heavy rains, and and, and that really set the stage uh, with the storm system moving out of the Rockies and uh, a low pressure system that developed across parts of southwest Kansas. And to the east northeast of that low pressure system, we had a warm front 
that extended uh, really towards I-70. If you don't know where I-70 is, it's basically the north-central part of the state, uh, runs east-west across the state, and and that warm front extended nearly uh, right along the interstate across Kansas and into parts of northeast Kansas. And and that was the situation early on on, on, on June 8th, is that we, we had a low-pressure system with a warm front in the area um, combined with a storm system that was moving out of the Rockies, and, and, and everything was in place for uh, for another round of severe storms later in that day. At about 11 a.m. that morning, the U.S. Weather Bureau, that's the predecessor to the National Weather Service, issued a tornado watch valid from 2 p.m. to 8 p.m. for South Central and Eastern Kansas, as well as West Central Missouri. The statement added that the threat of one to two tornadoes would exist that evening. Sure enough, by mid-afternoon, the storm system was brewing and lining up straight for Topeka. Also at that time, broadcaster Bill Curtis worked at WIBW-TV long before he became an award-winning journalist, producer, and news anchor. You've seen him on television programs like American Justice, Cold Case Files, the CBS Morning News, and NPR's quiz show Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. For younger generations, you may also know Bill Curtis as the narrator in the movies Anchorman 1 and 2, starring Will Ferrell. Curtis was on camera that evening when the tornado rolled through Topeka. I had to do something. And that would get people's attention. I thought about cussing. I thought about uh, crying because I, I felt an hysteria building up. And do something Bill Curtis did, uttering those words live on the air, advising viewers to get to safety by urging in a calm but stern manner, for God's sake, take cover. And then around 6.30, uh, 6.40, uh, it got a little more serious. Uh, what was happening was that the tornado had started in Dover, which was, uh, you know, 30, 40 miles away. And they start as the white uh, funnel clouds. It was not the big tornado that it would uh, grow into. So uh, at that moment, why he said, uh, you know, we can, uh, you could go on. And we did, uh, giving not the official warning, but a watch because we weren't convinced that it was going to be on the ground. I mean, who would believe that it would be, you know, the most uh, destructive tornado in U.S. history from that point? It was headed for Burnett's Mound. Uh, what we did not know was that uh, it was uh, lifting at some farms combines and turning them end over end. Uh, it would hit as it came around the, the northwest side of Burnett's Mound, uh, a Shetland pony farm killed about 150. And then um, our general manager, Charlie Ross, said, well, we better go back on. We didn't know any of this, incidentally, because, you know, you're, you're blind when you're in the studio. And unless you have spotters out there, and Ed was in a position where no one could get the full scope of uh, what was happening. Um, we decided, okay, let's go on at the top of the hour. And uh, I had the bulletins uh, standing in front of the camera and the weather map uh, in front of me. And start in, um, Charlie had given the go-ahead to do that. They had been following it through the day, so, you know, we were all generally aware there would be uh, severe thunderstorms and high winds. Nevertheless, in the middle of, you know, my presentation, um, I heard another two-way radio report from Ed Rutherford. It said, tornado on the ground. 
uh, just past Burnett's Bound. It's wiped out the Huntington Apartment Complex, which was part of a large complex, the Embassy Apartments, and 200 apartments were inside. I knew that. So suddenly I realized that, you know, if you blast 200 apartments, it's now on the ground, but it's on the ground in a very big way. Uh, it would later be uh, judged an EF-5. As the storm raged on past the downtown area, meteorologists at the National Weather Service Topeka Forecast Office had to take shelter as well as the tornado tracked through the airport, their location, flipping over several airplanes. 34 minutes after it touched down, the tornado dissipated after ripping through the airport. By this point, the tornado had traversed 22 miles of the city with a damage path width of a half a mile wide. Carol Yoho was a 16-year-old Topeka resident the day the tornado ripped through the town. She vividly recalls what happened that day and losing her neighborhood. Trying to go home, I kept running into damage from the storm because it was an exact direct direction uh, to my home that I was headed back. So I kept having to go west and then go south and go west again and then go south until I showed up at 17th and College Boulevard, which was facing the Washburn campus, and everything was blocked, and I knew there that there was some serious problems. The buildings were rubble. There was no traveling any farther south, west, or east from there. I had to turn around and back, go backward. And when I saw the college campus, I started getting very nervous about what I was going to find at home because we lived at the dead end of 21st and Randolph, uh, where there's a K&I building now, but it, it's a dead end, and then there's Shunga Creek. And I think the storm hit Burnett's Mound, went through the 29th and Gage area, then through the, this, these fields that would be the VA hospital grounds, and then it, it hit our homes before it went on to Washburn. And when I got to 21st and Randolph, they wouldn't let me drive any farther. They had us pull over, stop, and said, if you want to go any farther, you'll have to walk. And... I was nervous about that because there were a lot of downed power lines, but I thought, i got to get home. <laughs> and I saw my friend. She lived on Shunga Drive, and she was standing at the corner, and I said, Patty, is your house okay? And she said, what house? It's gone. And that's where my stomach really sank. <laughs> and I started down the street. And the farther I went, the worse it was. And I got down to our dead-end part, and there was nothing there I recognized. I had to literally count houses from the corner to figure out which one was ours. There was no roof. There were no walls. There was no ceiling. Everything was mud-covered. It was uh, there that I knew that we were in big trouble. <laughs> The most intense damage occurred in residential areas on the east side of Topeka, partly due to the close proximity of housing units. There were many homes and other buildings along the tornado's path that were completely obliterated. There was no rating system at that time, but years later, the National Weather Service in Topeka rated this tornado an F5 on the Fujita scale. 
Streets in devastated areas of the city were filled with sightseers checking out the ruins of homes and businesses, hampering efforts from first responders to find those missing under the rubble. Families of victims also came onto the scene to try to find those missing. And the total damage estimate was put at $250 million, making it one of the costliest tornadoes in U.S. history. The final toll, 820 homes were destroyed and 3,000 others were damaged. 250 businesses were destroyed and almost 2,400 were damaged, including a major shopping center. Although there were 16 fatalities and 450 injuries, it is believed that had the tornado hit during school and work hours or during the middle of the night, as many as 5,000 people could have been killed. Bill Curtis from WIBW-TV was credited for saving many lives with that urgent message to take cover. It stayed on the ground for 12 to 18 miles all of that time through a populated area. Um, it wiped out virtually Washburn University and beautiful old sandstone buildings, you know, just totally destroyed, trees gone. Uh, but there it went. Uh, the On past, now it was headed to rip a hole out of the uh, iron dome of the Capitol building, um, hit, some, hit downtown, um, make one of the buildings almost... Uh, kind of the the, the tallest uh, uninhabitable, and then on to move uh, railroad cars around. Did a lot of damage to the east side of Topeka, and then on out the airport. Looking back on that day, Chad Oment from the National Weather Service said, despite the lack of technology, forecasters used what they had and used it well. What was interesting about the tools that we used back then at the weather office is is they did have a radar. Uh, it was called something, it was a Weather Surveillance Radar 3, WSR 3. Um, and they were able to see the thunderstorms approach, um, and yet, because of the limitations of the, the technology back then, we really weren't able to see much in the way of interesting features. And, and by that, I'm, I'm talking about hook echoes, which was back then, it was something they, they used to hang their hat on. They used to really focus and, and watch for those hook echoes because back then they assumed that hook echoes automatically meant the tornado. And so they were able to see a hook echo, but it wasn't until a little after 7. And by the time they actually saw it, it was entering the city of Topeka at the time. Um, and so that, that was what was interesting about that case is they, they were able to see the, the hook and they issued the, the warning once they did see that. But at the same time, uh, I think one of the most important aspects of what happened here in Topeka and helped to really minimize life lost was the, the, the very good preparedness and, and spotter network that they had in place, preparedness program. And, and they had people out and about looking for this stuff, and, and people saw it and, and were able to report it into the Weather Bureau back then, and then also to, to report it to the media. And, and so we had uh, all facets, really, from the Civil Defense Department to the Weather Bureau to the media, and that's where Bill Curtis came in and, and really was able to, to convey the seriousness of, of the event and, and get people to really pay attention and, and uh personalize the threat and get them to take shelter. The June 8th, 1966 Topeka tornado was part of a series of tornado outbreaks that occurred between June 2nd and June 12th. This event of severe weather was mainly concentrated in the Midwest region of the U.S. But as we've discussed, the most destructive tornado of this event occurred on the early evening hours of Wednesday, June 8th, 1966 
in Topeka, Kansas. And today on the Storm Report podcast, we commemorate the 54th anniversary of the Topeka tornado. A special thank you to Chad Omit from the National Weather Service, Topeka resident Carol Yoho, and legendary broadcaster Bill Curtis. Also a special thank you to meteorologist Jennifer Naramore from Tornado Talk for conducting these interviews and allowing us to use the audio on this podcast. And again, a special thank you to president and meteorologist from the Storm Report Radio Network, Dan Holliday. And of course, a reminder to hit subscribe. That way, anytime we have a new episode of the Storm Report podcast, you'll be notified. You can listen anywhere you listen to your favorite podcasts. We're on platforms like iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, TuneIn Radio, and many others. Visit our website at thestormreport.com to listen to the podcast, get interactive radar, your custom forecast, and much more. On social media, you can follow us on Facebook at the Storm Report Radio Network and on Twitter at the Storm Report. Thank you for joining us for this special retrospective, the 54th anniversary of the June 8th, 1966 Topeka, Kansas F5 tornado. Until next time, I'm your host, Tommy Castor. You've been listening to the Storm Report podcast in affiliation with the Storm Report Radio Network.